Hey, it's Amalia Dempsey here, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I've noticed one thing that separates those who succeed with their horse in a way where they are both happy and those who constantly struggle and seem to always be having issues with their horse. Every horse training method relies on it. Every person you see doing something fancy with their horse has nailed it. And every time you see a horse and rider together and you think, wow, I want what they have, they've all got one thing in common. They've nailed the fundamentals of horsemanship. I know, I know it's not very exciting because you might think you're past the fundamentals. At least that's what I used to think. After all, you might've been around horses for a long time and you're probably working on more advanced things right now. But until you understand that the advanced things are just the fundamentals done to a high quality, you probably won't succeed consistently in a way where both you and your horse are happy, communicating clearly with each other, confident in various situations, and ultimately sharing that beautiful connection we all want with horses. Those that succeed in this way have nailed the fundamentals of training horses. And those that don't succeed, they don't even know what the fundamentals are. And as a result, they always feel a bit stuck, lost or confused with their training, constantly relying on an instructor to tell them what to do, or they jump from program to program looking for that guru who has all the answers. And trust me, they don't exist. I've already searched high and low. Even when I help people who have done other methods or have tried some groundwork that they've seen on YouTube, they still don't really know what these fundamentals are and why they are doing them and if they are doing them well. If you have no idea how to do these fundamentals to a high level or even what they are, you're missing huge and vital pieces of that 10,000 piece horsemanship jigsaw puzzle. And until you have these fundamental pieces in place, your overall picture with your horse will not look or feel how you want it to. But don't worry if this is you, because I was once there also. I had been around horses for a long time. I was even competing and winning. But you know what? Something was always a bit off. And I knew deep down that I was destined for more in terms of what I wanted my relationship with my horses to be like. Once I personally implemented these fundamentals with my own horses, everything changed. And now because of these fundamentals, I can do more advanced things and I can independently problem solve with confidence in my own decisions. It's why I can quickly assess a horse and rider and work out what the underlying problems might be, because usually one or more of the fundamentals is majorly lacking and the root cause of their horse's unwanted behavior, including things like being distracted or unfocused, tense and spooky horses, pushy horses, and horses that feel like they're they're ignoring you or don't understand you, quote unquote, lazy or unmotivated horses, or more specific things like Horses not wanting to be caught, not standing still for the farrier, not standing still for the mounting block, refusing to go onto the trailer, not accepting their tack easily, and lots of other specific problems. Just imagine how it would feel to be riding bridleless. Spoiler alert, it's the best feeling in the world. Or even just riding bitless, or even with a bit, but with really light cues and having your horse want to be in your presence and really enjoy what you're doing together. Imagine having your horse focus on you and understand your cues completely. Even imagine sharing special moments lying down with your horse. And imagine asking your horse to do something and they actually understand you and want to do it. And even when they don't, you know how to problem solve your way around it in a way that doesn't force yourself or your horse into situations that you both don't like. And in case you're thinking, it's not possible for me to achieve these things with my horse, I've already tried everything. I'm not a horsemanship guru who has started thousands of cults and I'm not even a naturally gifted horsewoman or rider. I'm just a regular equestrian girl who just found a better way of doing everything with my horses. And I've done all the research because you guys know that I'm a total horse nerd. I've put thousands of hours of practice in. I've studied different methods. I've made so many mistakes and I've discovered what works and what doesn't for lots of different types of horses and people with different problems. So ultimately, I can guide you to do the same and help you avoid some of the mistakes that I made along the way. Not only have I implemented these fundamentals with my own horses, but I've taught people in person and online all over the world how to really know, understand and implement these fundamentals with their own horses successfully, where they are now achieving their more advanced horse goals. But to begin with, 
My students, they were making the mistake of skipping the fundamentals and trying to do the fancy stuff first. But once they went back to the fundamentals, they realized what they were missing and doing wrong. Are you trying to do more advanced things with your horse, but it's not working? Does it feel like your horse doesn't understand you? Are you worried you might be doing the wrong thing or messing things up when things don't go to plan? There's one thing separating you between where you are now and where you want to be. And it's these fundamentals and how you are doing them. And I promise when you get these fundamentals under your belt, the road to the advanced things will be much more clear and simple. And that is why I made Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy, or HFA for short, a transformational online learning experience for heart-centered equestrians who want to create the ultimate partnership with their horse, understand and connect with their horse on a deeper level, have light cues on the ground and when riding, build confidence and relaxation in themselves, their horses and various situations and implement the essential foundation for a willing, calm, trusting, and happy equine partner. Everything you need to know about HFA can be found at amaliadempsey.com and click on Academy and you'll be taken to a page with all the information there. I will also put a link to the Academy in the show notes of this episode. Plus, when you go to that page, I actually have a 10-minute workshop on the fundamentals that you can watch right away. Seriously, take what you learn in HFA and run with it. Your life with horses will be changed forever. Some of my members have even said it has literally changed their life. Plus, if you're listening to this in February or March of 2023, right now is the perfect time to join because I'm giving you four live group coaching calls. These are bonus coaching calls um, with me as you progress through HFA. So, I can help you troubleshoot and problem solve all the questions that you might have along the way. These live group coaching calls are not something that's usually included in HFA. So if you're the kind of person who feels like you need more support and accountability as you work through an online course, now is the time to join. I'm doing the calls in March, April, and May. So make sure you jump on board now if you're considering joining and you want that extra support. Just head to AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy to find out more and make sure you sign up before March 22nd of 2023 if you want to be included in those live coaching calls with me. It's going to be so much fun to connect with you all. I'm super excited and I really hope to see you inside of HFA. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a light, happy, and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship and equine learning theory, and now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication with your horse so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing the partnership. Get more learning resources, including my free connection and communication mini course at AmaliaDempsey.com. Click the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a rating and review or screenshot this episode and share on social media. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 48 of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, How to Have a Happy Horse. I'm really excited to share with you my thoughts on how we can have happy horses, because if you're a listener of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, you know one of the questions that I like to ask the guests of the podcast is, what do you think makes a happy horse? So I've listened to a lot of answers that other people have had, um, and of course I have my own thoughts on what I think creates a happy horse. So really excited to share with you my thoughts on how to have a happy horse today. Now, I put together a little mind map when I was brainstorming ideas on what makes a happy horse, and it's a pretty rough sketch and my handwriting isn't great, but I think I might make a polished version of that and post it on social media. So if you want to see that, then follow me on social media at Amalia Horses on Instagram, Amalia Dempsey Horsemanship on Facebook, And I've just got onto TikTok, so I'm working out the world of TikTok at the moment. So if you want to follow me over there, I'm also Amalia Horses there. So hopefully we can connect on there too. And if you have any TikTok tips for me, please let me know. Um, Okay, so why do I think it's important to ask the question and to discuss the the question um, 
how to have a happy horse. How do you have a happy horse? And I think it's important because it's a common thing that heart-centered equestrian people think about. A lot of my students tell me and a lot of my HFA members tell me that I just want my horse to be happy, right? You know, they, they have these riding goals, they have these competition goals, or they might just have trail riding goals or riding at home goals or not even riding goals, and that's okay as well. But what it comes down to for them is they just want their horse to be happy, right? They just want to know that their horse is having a good life, is enjoying their training with them. And I think that's a really beautiful thing because not everyone thinks like that in the horse world. There are, not that I want to point the finger or anything, but of course there are people who are more focused on the horse's performance or what the horse can do for them than what we can do for the horse. So I think this is a really beautiful um, intention that people have. I also think it's important to talk about because even if you are someone who focuses on performance, it makes sense that if your horse is happier, that they're going to perform better. And quite often I see that when we address a horse's mental and physical health, that their behavior, both on the ground and in the saddle, improves also. So I think it's really important to ask ourselves how to have a happier horse, even if you are more competitive or performance focused. Horses, in my opinion, and from what I've observed and experienced, are definitely more spooky, on edge. They seem to have worse problems with separation, anxiety, and the likes. And they're more, um, other horses can tend to be more unmotivated or depressed or kind of lackluster when their their basic needs are not met and they're not feeling good in themselves. So no matter what your goals are as a horse person, I think it's really important to ask yourself, is my horse happy? How can my horse be happy? How can I create a happy horse? So what is my definition of a happy horse? So when I think about the definition of what a happy horse looks and feels like to me, I think about really what a horse should be like, specifically a domesticated horse, right? Because we're dealing with domesticated horses who are not in the wild, Um, so when I think about a really happy horse, it's one who looks calm and confident in themselves and perhaps curious about new things in their training. They feel like they look like they feel like they're part of the conversation, right? They're not just a tool for sport. They're not just, you know, mechanically going through the motions. They really feel involved and you can, and it looks like they're involved. It looks like they're participating um, somewhat willingly, you know, they, they're enjoying themselves in the process. They also feel like that I am aware that I'm listening to them. So it, that's very hard to quantify, but you can see it. You can feel it when a horse knows that you're aware of them and how they're feeling. A happy horse to me is a horse that feels safe, right? So they're not on edge all the time. They're not, really worried about their survival. They don't feel under attack or threatened, whether that's from you directly or whether that's from the environment or whether that's from other um, things happening in in that sort of context. I also think a happy horse feels free to express themselves and their feelings. Um, and they, they show exuberance and their individual personality. I can't tell you how many times I've helped students who have got a horse who perhaps has had a very serious competitive type um, training and we start doing a little bit of work with them and we thought we knew this horse's personality and then when we start opening them up a little bit that they really come out of their shell and suddenly they're a completely different personality and perhaps it's because those feelings and that exuberance has been suppressed to some extent because they haven't felt safe enough or felt like they've been allowed to show their personality and their unique quirks. So to me, a happy horse is one who is able to be themselves. And I also feel like a happy horse is curious and interested in their training and new things. And they're really willing to try new things. They have a kind of um, 
problem solving type attitude towards training tasks. So that is my picture of a happy horse. I don't have a clear definition as such. And I will be going through the things that I think can help you create this happy horse to help cultivate that happiness and um, contentment in themselves. But that I just wanted to start with my view of what a happy horse looks and feels like so I can sort of set the scene. So now let's go over how to actually have a happy horse. And I'm going to do it kind of in order of um, importance, right? So what we need to tick off first, what are the minimum things for a horse to to have a baseline of happiness or contentness? Um, And then we'll get to like the extra good things like the icing on the cake, the things that can make a horse feel like, wow, my life is awesome. So we are sort of anthropomorphizing here a little bit because, you know, a horse, first of all, doesn't think in words, wouldn't think to themselves, oh, my life is awesome because they don't know how to speak English. But I do think we can we can create that feeling in a horse where they feel good about themselves and their life. And I'm going to be talking about the uh, the things the ways you can help your horse be happy in this order of importance, because it's sort of already been shown or theorized like that in a, in your humans um, a quest for happiness. So you may have heard of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and they are, uh, I'm not an expert on this, but I have heard of it before in self-development books, which I really like reading and always progressing myself as a person. Um, But basically this Maslow's Maslow's hierarchy of needs goes through the different needs that humans require for a baseline level of happiness and then um, on a quest to what's called self-actualization. So we all know that as humans, we need air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, and ultimately reproduction to have our baseline physiological needs met to have that baseline level of happiness. But you and I both know that a lot of people in the world, including you and I, have these things already, right? Most of these things to probably a high quality. And yet we're not all happy. There are really high rates of depression, anxiety, etc. So you know, that's not enough for humans to be happy at least. And then this hierarchy goes on to have other needs met like um, uh, more safety type needs like personal security, employment, resources, health, property, etc. Love and belonging, friendship, intimacy, families, a sense of connection, then on to esteem. So respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strengths, freedom, and then finally on to self-actualization, which is um, the desire to become the most that one can be. So depending on where you're at on that scale, you might be working towards um, one of those kind of factors. If you're interested more in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can Google it and have a look at the different stages. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to talk about that briefly because that's sort of how I'm going to structure how I think you can have have a happy horse. So we're going to start off with the absolute baseline of what I think horses need for them to um, have a baseline level of happiness. And then we'll go on to the extra things that I think could give the horse the best life they could possibly have. So let's first start with health. I don't think we can have a happy horse unless the horse is healthy. Um, that doesn't mean they, they need to be perfectly, you know, 100%, but they need to be free from pain and discomfort. That isn't, you know, inhibiting their quality of life. So that means managing health conditions that they might have, um, making sure that you have a good worming protocol. And I do have a podcast episode with a, a worming expert, so you can go back and listen to that. Make sure that any underlying conditions are addressed like ulcers and avoid injury and illness to the best of your ability where you where you can so you know safe fencing and um, making sure that you're doing preventative measures to make sure that your horse is less likely to get an injury or some kind of disease Um, so we need our horses to have a good baseline level of health in order to be happy 
Next, I'm going to move on to the three F's. And you've probably heard of the three F's on the podcast before, because I'd say probably at least 70% of the guests have mentioned the three F's in answer to the question, how to have a happy horse. So this is from the horse's perspective, right? What does the horse need in order to feel, in order to be a horse, right? In order to satisfy those basic needs as a horse, as a species, right? They need friends. They need forage. They need freedom. So friends, they need to be in a herd environment. Horses are herd animals. And this doesn't mean just touching noses over a fence. It means having at least one other companion, the more the better, really, if you're able to, um, so that they can live like horses do live in the wild as a herd, right? This brings horses so much safety and connection and play and stimulation and um, they just thrive in a herd environment. Before I move on to talking about the other Fs, I just want to say if you're listening to this and you're in a unique situation where, you know, perhaps your horse can't be in with other horses for whatever reason or the property that your horse is on um, doesn't allow for it or whatever it might be. As long as you're doing everything in your power and within reason to satisfy these basic needs, then give yourself a break because I realize that not every situation is perfect in terms of providing horses with these basic needs. Of course, there are some exceptions, but you need to be really honest with yourself with these with these exceptions, because, you know, some people say, oh, well, my adjustment only allows isolated paddocks, right? So private paddocks, one horse per per paddock. And yep, I get that that is a limitation for you on that property. But have you looked into other adjustment properties nearby that will allow you to keep the horse in a herd environment? Um, Or, you know, you might say, yeah, but my horse gets bullied or kicked or whatever when they're put in with another horse or a herd of horses and I'm really worried about injury. Yes, I get that. It can be really daunting putting another horse in with other horses if that has been what you've observed in the past because none of us want to get our horses hurt. However, I have found that usually it's only for a short time that horses have this kind of behavior before they kind of sort things out and they're happy to be with each other without that kind of conflict. And it's usually, this sort of behavior is usually with horses that are not used to being in herd environments because they're sort of like, almost like socially awkward because they they haven't had that exposure and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to behave when I have free liberty with other horses. Like this is so new and exciting and maybe even scary. But there are ways you can do it where it's gradual and it's not, um, and it's less risky for injury, right? So you might just start with two horses together. Don't go cold turkey and put one horse in a massive group of horses if you just don't know what's going to happen because, you know, there might be an injury. Um, You might start with two horses with a fence between them, let them get accustomed to each other for a few days and then put them in together then add a third horse over the fence for a few days, then add the third horse, etc. Like you just, you can really break this down so it's less risky um, when you do eventually put them all together. And of course, there are certain horses that are going to get along better than other um, pairs of horses. So you want to keep that in mind too. Perhaps if you have trialed a couple of horses together and then they they, they continue to kind of... Um, one gets picked on or they're too rough with each other, perhaps you could try a different partnership. It's kind of like humans. We tend to bond better with certain personality types. Also, you may have friends yourself that instantly you had a connection and you just love that person and other people that you have to really work hard at um, kind of being around. Like you don't, you prefer perhaps a different personality types uh, company. And of course, again, whilst I'm using these human examples, I just want to highlight that I know that horses are completely different to humans, but I do think these human analogies help us can kind of relate in a way. Um, So yeah, that was just a highlight. Uh, That little tangent was to highlight that 
If you feel like you have a unique situation where you your horse can't be in a herd, ask yourself honestly, is there is there a way around this or, or do I have a legitimate reason for not putting my horse in a herd? Because you will be amazed at how different your horse is when they are actually in the herd environment that they are intended to be in. So that is friends. The next is forage. Now I'm not an equine nutritionist, but we know that horses as a species, as a basic need, they're grazing animals. They're designed to graze for a lot of the time. I think it's like up to 20 hours a day or something. Let me quickly do a fact check on that one. Okay, so it's roughly 10 to 17 hours per day of continuous grazing. Um, That's just off Google, so I don't know how accurate that is. But we know that horses spend a lot of time grazing naturally. That's what they're designed to do. That's what their digestive tract is designed to do. But when we start interfering with stable environments and small yards, etc., this pattern is obviously interrupted. Um, I love what a recent guest of the podcast, Andrea Wadey, which you wouldn't have heard Andrea yet because this podcast episode will be published before Andrea's comes out in April, I think. Um, But I will give you a little sneak preview. So she was talking about how, you know, often we we interfere too much. You know, we try and solve problems too much with horses to a certain extent. And I think we do this a little bit with, uh, with, with their diet as well. You know, they, they're designed to survive on a pretty low quality, but continuous diet. Um, I kind of like where our property is because it's quite dry. There's a variety of grasses. It's quite hilly. Um, and I feel like it, it, it simulates as best as I can a, a really natural kind of environment for the horses. So yes, again, I know that there are situations like laminitic type horses that need to be on um, pretty much no grass um, with really low sugar, hay or soaked hay. Um, and I know that in some parts of the world, you know, where, it, where it's snowing, you might need to stable your horses. Um But again, are we trying to simulate as best as possible or give our horses the best possible chance to satisfy that basic need of 24-7 access to forage? Um, And not only does this 24-7 access to forage help with their digestive health, but I I think it also helps with their teeth. Um, We'll need an equine dental vet to (laughs) confirm that for us as well. But I also think it helps with their mental health. I do think this act of having their head down low and this chewing motion can help with their mental health. Perhaps um, it can also help with their respiratory health. We know if horses keep their head up high for too long, it can affect the way um, they're breathing and their their respiratory system, etc. So they're designed to graze for specific reasons. Let's give them that opportunity. So we've gone through for the three Fs, friends, forage, and now let's go over freedom. So freedom simply means enough room to move around as a horse should. And as a baseline, I always like to tell people at at a minimum, I like to tell people your horse should be able to pick up a gallop in their paddock, right? If they have enough room to get into a gallop, then um, I think that's the minimum amount of room that they should have. The more, the better, obviously, but we don't all have, you know, 200 acre properties. That would be lovely. Um, But I want a happy horse, I think, needs to feel like they have enough freedom to move around, to explore, to go to new areas um, and really feel the freedom that a horse is designed to feel, right? Just think of like a horse in the wild, like if they're, the possibilities are endless for them. You know, they can, they can go anywhere they want. They can move around. They feel like they can flee easily from danger. So we want to give horses as much freedom to do those things as possible. Just quickly on their environment also, whilst this is not specifically included in the three Fs, 
or kind of the health category that I spoke about earlier. I do think also that horses need obviously access to fresh, clean water and also to shelter, whether that's natural or man-made. I suppose that does come under health because obviously they need water to be hydrated and they need that shelter to be protected from the elements like, you know, excessive rain or sun, etc. So just, I know that's an obvious one, but want to mention it also. So now I have gone over what I think are the minimum requirements for horses to be happy. So we need the three Fs and we need our horse to have a good baseline level of health. So as long as these things are met, I think a horse can feel contented in themselves and have generally a pretty good life. The next points that I'm going to talk about are really for horses who um, have a human who wants to do more things with them like training and riding etc um so if you've satisfied the the previous things that i've spoken about that's great they're like prerequisites to move on to this next level so it's like the maslow's hierarchy of needs having the baseline level of air water food shelter etc for a human met before they can go on to, you know, eventually achieving self-actualization. So for horses, we need the three Fs satisfied and to have a baseline level of health before we can move on to these extra things that I think are like the icing on the cake for horses, particularly those horses who have humans that want to do training and riding and, and different things with them. So the next thing I have kind of stolen from Skylie Carnan, who I had on the podcast, who was the winner of the Way of the Horse Equitana Australia 2022. And her answer to how or what do you think makes a happy horse is or was happy people. So if you are in my Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy, you know that I place a really big focus on your energy and attitude towards your horse and your interactions with your horse because horses can feel energy. They are masters of energy and body language and the way you show up to your horse absolutely can affect how they feel about their interactions with you and therefore their happiness. And so the type of happy human that I think horses like is one who has a positive attitude, right? So you speak positive words to your horse. Of course, they can't understand English, but I do think they can feel that positive intention behind your words. So don't put your horse down. Don't call them bad names. Like, no, they don't know that you've said a bad word, but they can, I think, and I felt that they can feel that that energy from you. I think a happy human is one that is happy with small progress. So you don't overface your horse. You don't expect too much from them. You're happy with small wins and going for 1% progress within a session. Happy humans around horses are self-aware, right? So they're, they're aware of their own body language, their own energy, the way they feel, the way they their horse feels, where their feet are in terms of the human's feet and the horse's feet. And they're not easily frustrated. And this is a skill that, you know, I've had to learn that many horse people have to learn because they, as the saying goes, frustration begins where knowledge ends. But if you can be self-aware and notice when you're starting to be frustrated and don't take it out on your horse, but go, hmm, that's interesting. I'm starting to feel a bit agitated. Why is that? Is there something that I'm, I'm lacking here? Do I need help? Do I need to go back and watch another video? Do I need to just have a bit of a break before I proceed? That's going to make a big difference in your horse's happiness because their sessions with you are not going to end in negative experiences. I think a happy human... Four happy horses is one who is firm, but fair, right? So sometimes we might need to be firm with the horse, but there's a difference. I believe we need to at times be firm with a horse for safety reasons and for boundaries um, and for learning. But there's a difference between being firm and taking it out on your horse or, you know, with the intention of this horse needs to respect me or whatever, which we know has been disproven, Um compared to being firm with a uh, a friendly type intention, like I'm here to help you, I'm here to be clear, right? Um, and horses can feel that difference. A happy human is a compassionate human towards horses. They understand and notice their horse's 
reaction to things when they first say that they're worried through their body language and and they help them through those moments. I think a happy human is also one who has a soft, friendly and warm energy, like like they're interacting with friend. Um, I was only speaking to someone yesterday, actually, about you know how you can feel certain energies of people. This might be a little bit woo-woo. And I tell people, you know, I'm a little bit woo, but I'm not woo-woo, right? I'm only one sprinkle woo. Because <laughs> um, I do think a lot of uh, training and interaction with horses is um, can be very logical and science-based also. But there's a little bit of woo in there also. <laughs> I think having a balance of both is a good mix. That works for me personally anyway. Um, but this energy, you can feel it in people, right? There's certain people who you're just attracted to their energy or they walk in the room and you can feel their warm presence. Um, I want to be that warm light energy for my horses so that when I show up, they're like, oh, it just feels good to be around that human. Like she just feels nice. (laughs) Um, And I have seen this work in reverse where I've had really sensitive horses and I've had certain um, professionals out to the property for, you know, different things, um, like veterinary things or whatever. And the horses, I can feel that the horses don't like the energy of these humans, uh, through their body language, right? Like straight away, they'll put their ears back when this person approaches. And I'm like, Hmm, that's really interesting. Like they can feel that something is off with this person. So I don't want to be like that for my horses. I want my horses to feel like, Oh, she just feels so good to be around. Um, And also it feels good in yourself to be that kind of person who's soft and friendly and warm and just there to have a good time, right? Like I always think, you know, people ask me as well, like how are you, um, how are you so positive all the time? And I don't want to put the illusion out there that I'm happy and positive all the time because of course I have my own challenges, but we are so privileged to spend time with horses, no matter what that looks like for you, like so many people, I, I'm always reminded of this when I speak to a non-horsey person and they go, I would just love to ride a horse one day or I would love just to pat a horse. And I just think, wow, you know, like these are things we do every day and we just take them for granted. It's absolutely amazing that we get to spend time with horses. And that is why I feel like I'm so happy when I'm with my horses because it's freaking awesome to be in their presence um, and just... I'm just in awe of them all the time, slightly obsessed, maybe a lot obsessed with horses, but that is what makes me feel good. So I think it's a, it's kind of a reciprocal relationship where the horses make me feel good and I feel good. um, And I think that makes the horses feel good too. (laughs) Anyway, I also think that a happy human, uh, this happy human that Sky was talking about in response to the question, uh, what do you think makes a happy horse? She said, happy humans. I think this also comes down not only to your energy, but also to your touch. Because a lot of the time with what we do with horses, it's through touch, right? When we're riding them, we're physically contacting them. When we pick up on a lead rope, we're physically applying like a feel to that horse's um, face via the halter and lead rope, or might be through our hands if we're asking them to move over or, or whatever it might be. But the way you touch a horse really... It, it that sense of feel can make a big difference. If you're just rough and choppy and um, just rushed, the horses don't really like that from my experience. But if you're soft and intentional with your hands, they, they'd seem to respond really well to that. Um, so the way you handle your rope, the way you pat them, the way you greet them, the way you offer your hand out for them to sniff you, all of those things matter and all of those things your horse notices so there you have it that is the happy human section of this um how to have a happy horse kind of podcast um before we move on to the next two sections on how to have a happy horse we're just going to go to a quick break and after that we'll be talking about um two extra icing on the cake sections on how to have a happy horse so be back in a sec I'm Kate and I'm based in Perth, WA. I have an eight-year-old off-the-track thoroughbred and I joined HFA because I he's the first horse 
that is green that I've owned. Normally I have push button schoolmasters. And so I'm not only training him, but I'm training myself in this process as well. So I wanted um, a system of training that would be really useful to us. Being an off-the-track thoroughbred, he has moments of anxiety, so I wanted something that could calm him down really well um, and just strengthen the bond that I have with him and the trust that we have in each other. Um, what I really love about HFA and why I went with HFA, I tried a few others. They all seemed just a little bit unattainable. They were sort of too polished and professional. They were run by really experienced high level, often European or American horse people. Um, and what I love about HFA is it's just so relatable. You know, I'm, I do horses as my hobby. It's not my full-time job or anything. And so I just do it for enjoyment and I could keep up with the content on HFA. It was realistic. Um, Amalia is so helpful whenever there's questions and there are stupid questions and good questions and all sorts of stuff in between. Um, and I'm just, I'm loving the content and I'm finding it's really working for my horse. And what's changing in our relationship is I'm learning to be much more patient. I'm really learning about his cues and he's telling me more about himself and I'm learning from that. Um, and just learning how we can manage his anxiety and how to be better as a team together. Okay, so let's now talk about enrichment. So once a horse has their baseline level of basic needs met and you are showing up as a happy human, I think horses can have a happier life, can be happier in themselves if they are provided with enrichment. The reason why I didn't mention this earlier is quite often if you're satisfying freedom and friends um, in, as a part of the basic needs, that can provide a horse with quite a lot of natural enrichment anyway. Their environment, if it's large enough, if they have that freedom, will give them um, enough to interact with uh, and there'll be enough variation in their environment that, that will provide them with that enrichment and also playing with their friends can also do the same. So the definition of enrichment is the action of improving or enhancing the quality or value of something. So we're really talking about enriching the horse's life here. How can we make it even better? And particularly this word is used a lot in um, animal behavioral circles. You know, they'll zookeepers will talk about enrichment. So providing animals with things that can enhance their quality of life because they don't have a, uh, they don't get that from their environment because that's something they would normally get in the wild, but because they're confined, they don't get that. So they have to simulate that enrichment in other ways. So another way you can think about enrichment though, is your horse having fun? Like, is your horse having fun? Are they being stimulated in in different ways are they um uh, even like a little bit of stress can be enrichment often things that we do as humans are a little bit stressful but they provide us with fun so um that's horsemanship right like it can be stressful at times because it's a kind of an unpredictable journey and we're always learning so that creates a little bit of stress for us but we love it so much, right? It's fun for us. Uh, and I think horses, um, they experience this too. Like when they're learning something new, it's a little bit stressful, but it's stimulating, right? Their mind's occupied. They're solving a puzzle or a problem. Enrichment can just be something new in their environment. Like I, <laughs> I just, I get ideas randomly from, um, other trainers and things that I see on social media or even other species, what people do with other species, like yeah, zookeepers and things like that. Um, and I decided to just, I think, I can't remember who it was, but I saw someone putting a box in with some animals, like just a cardboard box. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do that with my horses and see, you know, see what they think of it. Cause I, I was expecting them to be like scared of it and curious and snort and maybe, um, play with it or something, but it was really uneventful. I have to say, I put the box out there, all three of them like just looked at it and like sort of went over to it. I think beauty picked it up with her mouth, but she's very mouthy. And then they all sort of went, Oh yeah, it's a box, whatever. Um, and then just sort of looked at me like, what, what else are we going to do? 
And I was like, oh, that was uneventful. But I've done things where I've put uh, tarps out in the paddock with treats on them. So they really have to like investigate the tarp and get a little bit of counter conditioning for being curious. Um, taking horses for walks, whether that's on the ground or riding, you know, in the forest or at the beach in a new environment, as long as you've set that up properly with good fundamentals can be really enriching and fun for them, I think. Um, and I think it really depends on the horse too, right? So every horse might find different things fun, same as humans. What I find fun, you might not find fun, but you're a horse person, so you probably would find what I find fun, fun. Um, but you know, some people like video games. I would not like, I would not find that fun. Um, some people love watching Netflix, whereas others would just think that's so boring. So what does your individual horse like? What is going to enrich their lives where they go, oh my gosh, that's so fun. I'm so excited to do that. Uh, so Beauty, she likes jumping. I really feel like she, you know, wants to attack the jump. Like she's like, yes, let me at that jump. She just loves it. She loves exploring new environments. She likes going to the beach. She likes going to the forest. And I can see at times she is a little stressed, not over threshold, but a little stressed as in, Ooh, what could that be? What could this be? But that fear, that stress turns into curiosity and then turns into confidence. So it's a positive experience. She also usually likes water. She likes um, being in the ocean at the beach as long as it's not too deep. Um, she's liked being in dams before. Um, she likes walking under low trees <laughs> so that the branches kind of scratch her back. So you know, I'll seek out those little trees for her so we can go under them together. Not riding, obviously, but just, yeah, I just, I'm always looking out for those things that my horses like and that I think can enrich their lives and I can, that I can also use as positive reinforcement in a sense because I can provide them with those, um, perhaps not specifically positive reinforcement depending on the context, but almost like counter conditioning when they're with me, they get to do fun things. So they start to associate me with fun enrichment. My other horse, Harriet, she likes lying down. <laughs> You've probably seen on Instagram that she loves lying down in the arena, even so much so that she will lie completely flat on her side. People driving past would probably think, oh my gosh, there's a dead horse in the arena, but she's just napping snoozing in the sun. It doesn't matter how hot it is. She loves lying on her side. Um, that's probably not really providing enrichment as such because she's not being stimulated, but I do think it is something that she enjoys. And I give her the choice to be able to do that in the arena if she wants to, whether that's before or after a session. So I do think it contributes to her happiness, to her quality of life. She also really likes standing on the foam mat. I had this big foam pink mat that I um, use for proprioception, body awareness type tasks for all my horses. And um, she loves standing on the foam mat. So <laughs> often I will, if I'm riding, she can rest on the, on the foam mat. We will chill and I'll reward her um, for standing on the foam mat. Perhaps I've also created that like as well because I have she has a strong reinforcement history for standing on the mat, but still, I think it's something she likes. I think it does enrich her life and her sessions with me. So we do that. She also likes exploring new environments. She's not as confident as beauty, but I do think she gets enrichment out of going to new places. Um, and she loves doing trick training and, and target stretches and um, all of those things. So positive reinforcement training can certainly provide enrichment for your horse. I do think negative reinforcement training purely can provide some enrichment as well because it is stimulating, but it, as long as it's done with a happy human and, um, done well, where the horse really feels like they're in control of the pressures that are used. I think providing your horses with enrichment within their environment can be done as well by, rotating your paddocks. I think my horses are always excited when I move them into a new paddock because it's like they get to explore it all over again. What new smells are here? They're always smelling different things in the paddocks like they must pick up scents from other animals or something. Um, so you can provide enrichment in that way as well. Okay, so that's all things enrichment. Um, if you have any other ideas on how to enrich your horse's life, how to give them more fun in their lives, then do let me know. Um, you can always message me on Instagram at Amalia Horses. I would love to hear from you. And I love to hear from people that actually listen to the podcast. It honestly makes my day when people send me a message saying, oh, that was the best podcast episode. Like I got so much out of it. 
it just, it makes it all worthwhile for me. So do reach out if you're listening to this and you're like, this is a really cool episode. I mean, at least I hope you're thinking that. (laughs) Anyway, um, okay, so this next section, the last section on how to have a happy horse is something I feel really strongly about. And it's specifically for horses. It really is for all horses because if you've got a horse, you've got to be able to do certain the minimum procedures for them, you know, like veterinary care, farrier, getting them on the trailer, etc. But specifically for performance horses that are being trained regularly, because I think without this last section, your horse cannot be happy in its training without the fundamentals of horsemanship. Okay. So this, these fundamentals, I believe every horse needs to have as a foundation in order to do anything else in their quote unquote career, right? Right. Like as a ridden horse in any specific discipline, they need to have the fundamentals of connection, confidence, and communication. Without these fundamentals in place in your horse's training, horses are often confused, frustrated, or they just learn to tolerate what's being done to them. So like, I guess a form of learned helplessness or shutting down. Um, so it's absolutely vital that they have these three things in their training so that they can feel happy and enjoy their sessions with you and actually feel like they're a part of it. Like I was explaining my description or definition of a happy horse at the very start of this episode, you need to have these fundamentals in place. If you want, if you want your horse to feel like they're a part of it. They can problem solve the situation. They have total understanding of what's going on in their training. Because like I said, if they don't, that's where often problem behaviors can occur because of that confusion, because of that frustration, or because of that shutting down type tolerating behavior. But with these fundamentals in place, they feel safe with you. They trust you. They put effort into what you're asking. They feel more a part of the conversation. And so they can feel happy in themselves and in their training. And they might even actually enjoy what you do together and actually want to do what you're asking them to do. They actually enjoy being ridden. They actually enjoy being trained. They, you know, they go, oh, pick me, pick me. I hope she picks me today because I want to go and do sessions with, with her, you know, like it's, I don't know. For me, I think that that's really, I don't want my horses to feel like, oh, she's like another work session. Like it's very much a part of the equestrian culture. Um, You know, even when I get to uh, people's property, sometimes for lessons, the the owners will joke or the parents of who I'm teaching might joke like, oh, you know, time for boot camp or, oh, they're going to be worked hard today. And it's like, it's actually not really like that. The way I train, it's, I want the horses to enjoy this, to be a part of it. Of course, sometimes there's going to be hard lessons. There's going to, there's going to be physical and mental stress at times. That's just the the nature of learning anything for horses or humans. But the outcome, what I want for all horses is to enjoy their lives, to be happy. (laughs) This is the whole purpose of this podcast. And Um, to be as happy as they can be as domesticated, trained horses. So let's briefly go over those three fundamentals. But I also want to let you know that the upcoming three podcast episodes, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into these three fundamentals because I'm so passionate about them. But if you just can't wait, I do have a 10-minute horsemanship fundamentals workshop that's freely available on my website. You don't even need to put your email in or anything. Um, it's on the Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy information page. So if you go to AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy, the 10-minute workshop video will appear straight away at the top of the page. So you can go and watch that. So connection, confidence, and communication. These are the three fundamentals of horsemanship. Connection to me is the relationship and the bond that you have with your horse. It's really hard for me to articulate what connection actually is. And I know it's a little bit of a buzzword in the horsemanship space and there's a lot of fluff around it, a lot of confusion um, and a lot of, I think perhaps maybe a bit of misleading information around connection. If you feel like you don't have connection with your horse or you haven't experienced it, 
or you're not sure, you probably haven't. Because I have to say, it's absolutely night and day. When you play with a horse, when you interact with a horse who is connected versus one who isn't. And again, that's that's really hard to articulate. But once you develop this two-way communication with a horse where you feel like you can interpret their body language and understand them and are aware of them and they know that you're aware and they equally are aware of you and your communication and your body language and your cues, you become connected. Now this connection, it's a fluent thing. It, it ebbs and flows. Um, like any relationship, it kind of goes up and down and it's not something you can just instantly develop. Perhaps some amazing horse gurus out there can, but for me, and I think for the average type equestrian, um, which I would put myself in that category, um, it takes time to develop. It takes time to develop that connection with the horse. Like it would a friendship with a human. You know, you don't meet someone and yes, you might be instantly attracted to their energy or you just get along straight away, but you're not really best friends for a long time until you've gone through lots of experiences together and you start to understand the subtleties of each other's communication, right? And I think it's similar with horses. Again, different, different species, but similar in that it takes time to develop that connection through your communication and through your relationship, through your trust in each other and through the both positive and challenging experiences that you share together along the way. And with these three fundamentals, Um, connection is probably the most elusive and it is the thing that is developed in conjunction with the other fundamentals. So sometimes it kind of bothers me a little bit when people say, oh, I'm working on the connection. And I'm like, yes, I get that. We're always working on the connection, right? The connection is always an overlying thing that is either being built up or broken down, so to speak. I, I don't have a, oh, this is one task that you do to work on connection, so to speak. You're always working on connection. There are certainly tasks that help probably more than others, um, and I will go into them in future episodes, but, uh, and it also in that, uh, no, I don't think I go over it in that 10-minute workshop specifically, but uh, it will definitely give you some ideas, but I think the upcoming podcast episode on connection will give you more ideas on how to develop it. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to highlight that connection is one of the fundamentals. It is really hard to quantify and define. It is something we're always working on, but not specifically working on. There's a bit, a bit of a paradox there in case you haven't noticed. Horsemanship is full of paradoxes um, and the connection takes time to develop. And what you're doing with your horse is either building connection or breaking connection. The next fundamental is confidence, okay? So I am putting relaxation, calmness, curiosity, all under this banner of confidence, okay? So we uh, want our horses, because I don't think you can really be confident with something unless you are calm and relaxed about it, right? And I don't want horses to just be calm and relaxed. I want them to feel confident in themselves, within a task, within a situation, within a certain or with a certain type of equipment, etc. So confidence is that overlying feeling that I want my horses to have as a fundamental to be well equipped for different situations. So that means I need my horses to feel confident in me, my tools, um, with me handling them, touching them all over, with various different um things moving around them. So there's a level of confidence with unpredictable things. I need them to feel confident in various environments. I need them to feel confident in their equipment. So the equipment that we use on them with us as a rider and with our communication. So confidence is also this overlying thing that we're kind of always working on. Also, I do think that we can more specifically work on it through Um, confidence and relaxation techniques, all of which I teach in module three of HFA. However, I will be doing an upcoming episode on confidence and I will go over some of the 
um, different techniques that we employ there to help our horses feel more calm, relaxed and confident. But I think I also speak about this in an episode I did a little while ago on tense, spooky horses, etc. So have a look for that one. And if you want to jump into that straight away. So we need our horses to be connected, to have that relationship. We need our horses to be confident so they are relaxed and calm in various situations with various things and tools and equipment, etc. And the last fundamental is communication. Without communication, we don't have anything with our horses. We need to be able to communicate with them clearly what we would like them to do with them having total understanding Um, so that we can minimize the amount of frustration that they have in navigating their, their human. So what kinds of communication do we need to have as fundamentals with horses? Well, I think for me and my horses and the way I train, communication is a two way street. We need to learn to interpret our horses body language and behavior as best as we can. So that comes down to really understanding horses as a species. And we need to teach our horses how to understand us, how to understand our cues and what we would like them to do. And that is through training. And that is through how we teach our horses to learn cues that we will provide to elicit predictable behaviors, essentially. So... Communication for me is very different to just piloting a horse, to to making a horse do something. It's actually teaching a horse how to respond to a specific cue because you can ride a horse or work with a horse on the ground in a way where you're basically just kind of like making them do it, uh, like physically molding the behavior. Um, and I've ridden like this before, it's certainly doable. And I would say a lot of the equestrian community ride and train like this, but let me tell you, it is so much better, more clear for the horses. And I think quicker for the horses to be actually taught how to respond to certain cues. And that's how you get light cues. That's how you get a really responsive horse. That's how you get a happy horse in their training because they feel in control of the amount of pressure that is used on them. And there might even be a reward in in there for them um, with certain behaviors if you choose to use positive reinforcement also. So learning how to communicate with your horse clearly on the ground and in the saddle for me is an essential foundation for helping your horse be happy in their training. Now, I know I've really only briefly touched on connection, confidence, and communication as fundamentals. They're all interlinked. They're all equally important. And they are what I believe to be the fundamentals of horsemanship. Of course, I have a whole course, academy, online academy about the fundamentals, but I will be doing three upcoming episodes on each of those areas where I'll go a little bit deeper into them. So stay tuned for that. They will be the the next podcast episodes coming up. So there you have it, how to have a happy horse. We spoke about horses needing to be healthy. We spoke about the three F's of friends, forage, and freedom. We spoke about horses having happy humans, how to give your horse enrichment, and the fundamentals of horsemanship. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for my upcoming three-part series on the fundamentals of horsemanship. Hey everyone, Amalia again. And before we wrap up today's episode, I want you to take a moment to imagine this scenario. Your horse greets you at the gate and they're actually happy to see you. Maybe they give you a little bit of a knicker, their ears are forward and they're like, oh, hey, here's my human. I can't wait to see what we get up to today. You can take your horse anywhere and they don't pull, push, or call out to their friends. They're focused on you and you can communicate clearly with each other in various situations. You can read your horse's body language and your horse understands you. You're connected on a deeper level. Your horse is confident and totally relaxed with you, the environment, their equipment, and the tasks that you do together. Your horse trusts you because you allow them to express their feelings and help them confidently in difficult situations. 
You can easily ask your horse to do things and they understand the, and you understand the what, why, and how it's working. Your horse happily accepts their tack and stands still and calm to be mounted. You can ride your horse calmly on a loose rein, knowing that they aren't wanting to run away or wanting to stop. You feel harmony, trust, connection, and willingness with your horse. You can go to a competition or an outing or riding club and not have to worry about your horse being overly stressed or unfocused. You feel congruent and at peace with your horsemanship journey, equipped with the knowledge to solve future problems. And you are finally enjoying your horse in the way that you've always wanted and your horse is enjoying their time with you also. Well, this is my dream for every horse and rider. And I know that it's possible because I've achieved it myself with my own horses and have helped many students achieve it themselves through my online Horsemanship Fundamentals Academy, HFA. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows because of course you're going to have difficulties and breakthroughs along the way, but it's how you approach these things that make all the difference. And remember, when problems arise, it's usually because one or more of the fundamentals is lacking. If you listen to this podcast and all the incredible trainers that I interview and the things that we talk about sit right with you, but if you're honest with yourself, it's not really your reality right now with your horse, then let me teach you the fundamentals and let's change that for the better. Just head to AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy to find out more and sign up to HFA. And remember, if you're listening to this in February or March of 2023, right now is the perfect time to join because I'm just about to do those four live bonus group coaching calls, which are not normally a part of the program. And I'm not sure if if or when I'll do these calls again. So don't miss this opportunity if you're thinking about joining HFA. I'm doing these calls so that I can help you troubleshoot and problem solve all the questions you have along the way. They will be recorded in case you can't show up live, but I also love connecting with you all live to hear about you and your individual horses and ultimately help you transform your connection, confidence and communication with your horse. So head to AmaliaDempsey.com and click on Academy to find out everything you need to know and make sure you sign up before March 22nd if you want to be included in the live group coaching calls with me. It's going to be so much fun to connect with you all. I'm super excited and I hope to see you in the Academy. Thanks for listening to today's show and I'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit the follow button so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or screenshot this episode and share it on social media. You can connect with me on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses or my website AmaliaDempsey.com where you can find free resources to help you on your horsemanship journey. That's all for today. Thanks for being here. Remember to train with kindness and ride with excellence and I'll see you in the next episode.